Good morning and welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, Jason. Doing fine. Hope you, you are. I'm good. I'm good. It's, it's nice to be in an air-conditioned studio, so we're uh, we're living no all right, Bill. about it. Uh, here we are in summer, the weekend uh, before the 4th of July. Uh, the the uh, of course this the, this holiday it, it makes it a little bit difficult because July fourth comes on Wednesday. It's an awkward uh, awkward so time to have one day unless off. you're taking the whole week off. <laughs> <laughs> and of course uh, you, you you may know that uh, I'm originally from Kannapolis, North Carolina, which is an old mill town. It was the home of Cannon Mills, uh, and of course. It's no longer there, as along with a lot of other manufacturing in North Carolina has disappeared. Um, uh, but the bottom line is, what, uh, when I was young, the, the entire week of the 4th of July, uh, everything shut down. The, the mill was closed and all the shops uh, in town were closed because everybody took off and, for the most part, went to Myrtle Beach. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty neat. Well, the awkward thing about having it on a Wednesday is that half the office probably takes off the first half of the week and the other half takes off the second uh, half of the I'm week. Sure so. we, I, I'm sure we're, uh, we're at the first weekend of, of that <laughs> scenario. No, no question about that. Well, very good. Uh, well, uh, we're looking forward, of course, to the holiday here. But let's get down to business, Bill. We're going to talk about a subject here that uh, it's it's pretty common here on the show a little bit, and that's Social Security. But we're going to talk about something that I think a lot of people don't really think about or, or take into account when it comes to Social Security. Well, that's right. I, I want to talk about survivors' benefits. And so uh, you may think about, well, what what's that? Uh, well, survivor's benefit is uh, where you uh, are married to a spouse who is a worker and has contributed to Social Security, and your spouse dies. Uh, so, in essence, there are survivor's benefits. Uh, and there are survivor's benefits for dependent children, and there are survivor's benefits uh, for the spouse as well. And so uh, it's uh, – now, here's one of the sad things about Social Security. Uh, and it's sort of like this with a lot of other government programs. You've got to make the effort to get it. In other words, it doesn't automatically come. The, you know, you have to go to the Social Security office and actually apply – for benefits. Uh, and that's true for all of us, no matter whether it's survivor's benefits or our regular retirement benefits or disability benefits. It's all the same. You have to go there, or you have to go online at least, or call them up uh, and apply for those benefits. Um, I mean, truthfully, if, if, uh, if you turn your full retirement age at age 66 for me and 67 for you, if they don't change it, um, and you don't go and apply, then you're not going to receive a Social Security check. You have to actually proactively go after and get those benefits. <laughs> That's the government, you know, doing their job to make you do all the work. Or not doing the job. Right. Yeah, ex exactly. There's nothing automatic about it. You actually have to fill out the paperwork and send it in uh, or go to the office and, and sit with the folks and get everything done that way. But – it's important um, for, for folks to know uh, that when there are survivor benefits, you know, this day and age, um, 
it, it's pretty hard to, to uh, uh, support a family without two incomes. Um, it, it, that, that's a sad state, truthfully, but pretty much you got two incomes, which basically means you have two workers contributing to Social Security and two accounts to potentially receive Social Security benefits from. And so it's important for, uh, well, let me put it this way. It's important for everyone um, who has ever been married. Um, and so this would include uh, certain people who are married and divorced. It would include people who are uh, married and lose their spouse to death. Uh, or it could be just folks who are married and both are still living. Um, and so anyone who's just not been single their entire life has the potential to get their Social Security from two, at least two different accounts. Um, and some people have the ability to get Social Security from three or more different accounts. And I'll tell you about that in a second. But, but the bottom line is Social Security – I mean, if you have the ability to – I mean, let me give you it this way. If one worker has an account that pays at full retirement age $1,500 a month – and you have a uh, Social Security account that will pay, let's say, $2,000 a month, which one would you rather have? 2000 of course. Well, the, the whole point is, uh, now let's reverse it. Let's say that yours is 1500 but your spouse's was 2000 and your spouse dies. Which one would you rather have? 2000 Well, of course. But the problem is nobody tells you that. Nobody says, oh, you're making a mistake. You shouldn't take yours. You should take your survivor's benefit. Well, that's the problem. So many people think that they have to take their own Social Security account, that they don't have a choice. And actually, uh, there's, there's more to it than that that I think is extremely important for folks to understand. And that is, is that there is a way when you, uh, that you can actually take from both accounts, not at the same time, but both accounts. And that is, uh, is really, really important for, for folks to know. And taking from both accounts is even true today for a married couple. In other words, you can take on the account of your spouse and then later take on your own account. I mean, I mean let me, let me um, ex explain it this way. And this is not survivor's benefits. This is regular benefits, you know, so it's really important. So let's say that your today your spouse is 67 years old or 66 years old and has, has applied for Social Security be benefits and receiving Social Security benefits at this point. Now, if your spouse is actually um, uh, getting their Social Security and you turn your full retirement age, which for me is 66, then I can um, apply and get half of my spouse's Social Security 
at age 66 while delaying my own account to maximize my account at 70. In other words, I can take it for four years from 66 to 70 based on my spouse's account and while delaying my own. And if I wait until 70, then my own personal account will will be 32% higher than if I had taken my Social Security at um, at 66. And so that 32% is a lot. You know, the Social Security is the only investment partner that we have that each year we delay our Social Security, they guarantee us an 8% increase in our benefits. There's no investment advisor in the world who will guarantee you an 8% increase every year. So that delay is, is pretty cool. So who is it? There, there's only two kinds of people that should, should not delay receiving their Social Security account from full retirement age to age 70. Now, can you, now you've been with me a long time, Jason. So who, who are those two people? Uh, those who are either starving, yep, or the, those who are very sick. Yeah, that you you hit it on the the. I've nail got on, my, I've, my you've got your here. notes there. I've, that, I've that's cheating. great. Well, I mean that that's exactly right. <laughs> uh, you know, this information is sinking in, and so what does that mean? In other words, if you have no money to live and you can't earn money, um, then taking Social Security early is is your uh, only option, or if you know that you're not likely to live a, a, a regular life because you've been sick uh, or you have just a horrible uh, family history of early death and you know you have a heart problem or you have you know, something going on where you know you're not likely to live uh, past mid-70, um, then take early, sure. But it's it's all a matter of of a game at that point as to how to maximize your benefit. So, but survivor's benefit is unique uh, because there's more to it than just what we've just been talking about in terms of. But the, the first rule is, if you have been married or you are married then you need to be thinking about which account to take, yours or your spouse's or your um, deceased spouse's account. That, that is, in other words, don't just think about when do I take my Social Security account. You need to figure out which account to take when, knowing that you might take one first and then the other later, depending on how, you know, how to maximize your own Social Security benefit. Well, that's great information. And again, that's something that I don't think a lot of people know or have thought about. And that's just, as, as you sort of alluded to, uh, a huge potential shift in the, the earning potential of your Social Security. Oh, it can make a six-figure difference in terms of how much money you get from Social Security over a period of years. And if Social Security is your sole source of regular income in retirement, Making the right decision on Social Security is is huge. It's it's uh, it's not just um, uh, it, wouldn't it be nice? It it can be the difference between uh, surviving and and really being in in the gutter. 
Great advice and great tips from Bill Alexander here on Asset Protection Today. And we've got more for the for more of those for you coming up. Stick around again. You're listening to Asset Protection Today here on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. You can find more about Bill at WGALaw.com. That's WGALaw.com. And Bill, we're having uh, what I'm what I feel is a fascinating discussion on Social Security, an aspect that uh, a lot of people don't think about, and that's in the world of survivor benefits. That's right. And and so let's go back to another general rule, um, and, and this is true for everyone. Anybody can take their Social Security as early as age 62, uh, and that's for all of us. But if you take it early, any time before your full retirement age, you will be penalized, and it's a huge penalty, and it's a lifetime penalty that you cannot recover from. Um, so you have to be – and there are folks out there that says, oh, I want to take my Social Security as soon as I can get it because the Social Security is going to run out at some point, and then there's not going to be any money for anybody, so I better get mine while I can. And that's horrible thinking uh, in terms of, of maximizing what's so important to you. Um, so I would tell you uh, to be very cautious about anybody uh, pushing you to take Social Security early unless you're starving or you're sick. Uh, those, uh, th- those are the basic parameters. And there's, well, there's, it's worse than that. If you're still working and taking Social Security, then you get double penalty. You get a lifetime penalty plus – they take away part of your Social Security based on your earnings. So if you earn more than about $19,000, then they take away your Social Security for anything over and above that. So it's um, a lot of folks uh, make the mistake of taking their Social Security and then shooting themselves in the foot because they're still working. And so that's the bottom line is if you have mo- enough money to, to live on, even if you're scraping or, and maybe even using part of your retirement account, you know, your 401K and your IRAs in order to make ends meet, to delay Social Security, if you run the numbers, you're going to win every time by delaying your Social Security. So uh, that's really important. Now, let's go back to survivors and um, – uh, and also remarriage. You know, I said some folks can get survivor's benefits based on three accounts. Well, if you've lost your spouse and then you remarry after age 60, then you have the choice of ta- – and, and then, of course, and you've been married for at least nine months to your new husband or wife, <laughs> then – you have three accounts to choose from. You have your own account. You have your spouse, your new spouse's account, uh, and then you have your ex, uh, your deceased spouse's account uh, uh, to choose from. And so again, you can choose the two best accounts to maximize your social security. And you know this is why. 
uh, I refer so many of my clients to Warren Coble down in uh, Asheboro uh, because he's one of those folks who can help you figure out which, uh, you know, which account to use when in order to maximize your, your benefit, uh, factoring in your finances and factoring in your health uh, into the equation as well. Now, a widow or widower who has not remarried can take Social Security as early as 60. Remember I said everybody can take it at 62 if they're crazy, but a a widow or widower can actually take their survivor's benefit based on their deceased spouse as early as age 60. Now, if they're younger than 60 uh, and they have dependent children, then there's a, 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 a benefit for the children that's really important too. Again, they have to apply for it. But the Social Security Administration is not going to tell you what to do or how to maximize your benefit. And truthfully, again, it can be a mistake for a person to take either benefit at age 60 because there's what they don't tell you is, yes, you can get it, but there's a penalty. So it really comes down to which worker – you or your spouse or your deceased spouse has the bigger Social Security account. You know, that can make a difference. You know, most folks know that if they've been married for many, many years, uh, and let's say both, both spouses are in their 80s and, and the husband dies, you know, because we husbands typically die first, um, if our account is larger then the widow can then take our Social Security account. Um, You know, that's a survivor's benefit as well. That has to be applied for in order to get it. But uh, the bottom line is they're entitled to the larger account of of the two. Now, they have to drop their own. They don't get both. They have to drop theirs. But uh, they can take whichever account is higher, and and that's important. Uh, Now... Um, what does the survivor's benefit uh, pay? Uh, well, if you wait until full retirement age, then it will pay 100% of that account. And, and if you wait longer than that, then you get an 8% bump on that account. Now, let's say that your account is less than your deceased spouse's account. So in other words, that benefit is a bigger long-term benefit than what you've done yourself. Well, what can you do? Uh, Potentially, at age 62, you can take your own account and delay the survivor's account until age 70 and then take that account. Is anybody going to tell you that from Social Security? No. So... There are so many people who have a lot of money left on the table. They think they're stuck with what they've got. They've never asked the question of someone like Warren Coble or myself about how to maximize uh, your Social Security account. And so there's so many people out there that that make a difference. Um, Now, the the thing about it is if you take – 
let's just say that there's not that much difference. Let's say that your account's eighteen hundred and your spouse's account is two thousand dollars. Well, the bottom line is if you take your account based on your own and you don't realize that you could take that extra two hundred dollars and game, you know, do it to where the account is different in terms of you're taking one account and maximizing the other at age 70. Do you know how much difference in Social Security benefits that is to you over your lifetime? How much? Almost $100,000. So (laughs) now that's true if you're only talking about $200. But if you're talking about where one is Five hundred dollars more, a thousand dollars more, uh, which is not uncommon at all. I mean, there's lots of times where one person's accounts three thousand dollars a month, and the others is you know twelve hundred or fifteen hundred uh, or less. You know, there are a lot of folks who have Social Security accounts that are in the hundreds of dollars rather than the thousands of dollars. Uh, I think the maximum Social Security right now per month is about thirty-five hundred dollars uh, per month. That's in that ballpark. Um, and the minimum can be pretty low, uh, which is uh, pretty sad. But that's why it's so important to realize that you can, uh, if you've been married for at least nine months and your spouse, now there's even some exceptions to the nine-month rule, and your spouse dies and has been a worker and contributed to the system, and, and here's another thing. Let's say that you lost your spouse many years ago when they were, 30 years old, and they only contributed for five years, that's okay. That account may be just as large as your own account, having had worked 30 or 35 or 40 years because of the way they do the numbers at, at Social Security. And so um, it, 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 there are a lot of different factors in terms of, of which account to use. Now, if you lose your spouse – and you remarry before age 60, then you, you typically are going to lose the benefit of being able to use your, your deceased spouse's Social Security. So that's important uh, for folks to understand, particularly if in their late 50s and, and their uh, deceased spouse's Social Security account is a large one. Uh, then it it makes a big difference, and they may want to delay remarriage (laughs) until age 60 because then they can still uh, go back and recover their deceased spouse's account. So that's an important age to remember as well. And also it's important as a survivor not to automatically knee-jerk take to take your spouse's your your deceased spouse's account at age 60 even though you're entitled to do that. It, again, your the 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 two um, rules come into play. Are you starving? Uh, is your life expectancy uh, shortened? Uh, it, it it's just as important at age sixty as it is uh, at another age, unless your account is larger. So you're going to delay your account till seventy, and then so. Those kind of things do make a difference, but the question is, how do you maximize your Social Security account? And it's so important to folks. So anyone who's getting close to retirement age, and if if they're married or if they've lost a spouse in the past, it's really important to get good advice on how to maximize that Social Security check. 
Yep. And if that applies to you, I want to encourage you, set up an appointment with Bill. Give him a call in the office at 919-256-7000. That's 919-256-7000. Or you can go online to WGALaw.com, WGALaw.com. And that's a great way to set up an appointment with Bill. Back with more information. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Good Saturday morning to you. And we're talking about Social Security survivor benefits. And Bill, you just uh, explained a lot about how, how you can optimize these accounts. But uh, one question I have for you, and this may be a very rare circumstance, but how does divorce factor into this, whether uh, before or after you start taking uh, benefits? Um, well, sometimes if you've been married for at least 10 years uh, and you're divorced, then uh, again, you have the potential for receiving on your divorced spouse's account. Um, now, if you remarry before age 60, then there's no benefit with your divorced spouse. Uh, but if you remarry after 60, then you have the potential of, uh, particularly if your divorced spouse dies, you have a survivor's benefit there as well. So actually, excellent question. Uh, and, and, of course, that's another area. If you've been married at least 10 years, then you can go back on that account. And it's really important for people to understand that even if there's two or three people who apply for benefits on a on a worker's account? Um, it does not diminish any one of of the accounts. In other words, everybody gets the same amount, and it's not diminished or divided by two or three. You know, because there are people out there who skew the system and they get married three or four or five times. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's why the divorce rate's so high. It's not because there's an actual 50% divorce rate. It's because that there are people who get married and divorced and married and divorced and married and divorced and married and divorced, and they're skewing the numbers for the rest of us. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Uh, okay. And last parting shot at Social Security. Don't get your advice from the Social Security Administration. Yes, they do have people who work for them that are supposed to give you advice. However, the issue is they don't have enough time to give you quality advice. They generally are limited to between five and ten minutes uh, per customer, if you will, uh, for advice. And that just is not enough time to give you anything that's worth a damn. So, excuse my language, but it's the it's the kind of thing where this is why I send people to Warren Coble, you know, oftentimes or sometimes it's so obvious I can give them the advice myself. But uh, and people can Google Warren Coble and Associates in Asheboro, North Carolina. They're not lawyers. They're just really really good on how to help people with social security benefits. So, 
and they're dirt cheap compared to lawyer fees. So it's uh, that's why I refer so many folks to them, and they're they're wonderful people there. And I've used them personally, and my wife as well. And and so it's um, it's it's nice to know that you can go to them uh, for good quality advice, and it's a heck of a lot better than trying to to make a decision in five or ten minutes with poor advice. Yeah, and that, again, could save you uh, or earn you uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, in, it can make a huge difference over, over the years. Uh, it's amazing. It yeah. really is. It's, uh, it's fascinating, and it's an interesting topic, and I'm, I'm glad that we broached that today, Bill. And we're mm-hmm. going to get into another topic here that I think is, is really interesting and applies to a lot of people, and we hear about this a lot in the news, but this revolves around your credit. Absolutely. Um, uh, one of the things that we recommend to a lot of our clients, uh, particularly our older clients, uh, but it's true for a lot of folks. In fact, I think people are going to start doing this more and more and more to protect themselves from uh, from fraud um, now and scams, if you will, uh, because you know privacy gets breached people end up with your social security numbers and your address and all of that stuff and it's sort of like well how do i protect myself one of the best ways to protect yourself is to freeze your credit and and people hear that and it's like well what does that mean well there are 3 credit bureaus and you have to work with all three. There are some folks who think that if you freeze your credit with one, you freeze your credit with all three. And that is not true. You actually have to go through the process with all three credit bureaus to freeze your credit. But there are three of them. One is called Equifax. An- another, the second one is called Experian. And the third is TransUnion. And some companies, some banks use one and others use another one. Uh, And so the bottom line is, uh, for us consumers, if we're going to effectively freeze our credit, then we have to deal with all three. Now, it's really important for folks to understand is that you can freeze your credit. Now, what does that mean? That means that if someone applies, like if you apply for a credit card or for a loan, you're going to be turned down because uh, they can't get a credit report from the from one of these uh, uh, credit providers. So that's huge. And so if it's somebody who's not you applying for credit, that's exactly what you want to happen, where they actually cannot get credit. And and it's you know it's not necessarily where people are going to the bank, they can use your information and apply for credit at at almost any store or airline. You know, you can go to Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever and, and get uh, credit through the store. And that's actually where a lot of the fraud takes place is they don't go to the banks. They go to these different stores or airlines and get a, get a credit card. Just think of how many offers for credit you get every day. Uh, well, if somebody has all your information, they they can apply and receive credit and get either money or uh, or stuff based on your account, and then it takes you a year to get it straightened out uh, and to get your your credit back uh, online, and it's and it's a painful process. So freezing your credit 
is a really good idea, particularly for seniors, but it also can be helpful to anybody else. And the other thing is, is you can freeze your credit, and let's say that you've frozen your credit and you want and you really want a credit card. You know, you need one or you you want to open an account at Sears or whatever and you can't do it because you've frozen your credit. You can unfreeze your credit for a short period of time, like an hour or a day, and then go back and freeze it again. So the the thing about it is, okay, how do you do it? Because if if you can go online or have your grandchild go online for you, <laughs> or you're you know, now it's important if you're going to freeze your credit to keep a file. And I'm not talking about on your computer because if some hacker can get into your computer, <laughs> they can get the information and unfreeze your credit with the information. So you put this information in a regular folder. You know, wherever you keep your really important information in your safe or in your locked filing cabinet at home or whatever. But it's important that the information be kept offline and not on your computer. So you're going to write, actually use a pen and paper (laughs) or a pencil and write it down. So what information, and you have to do a little homework which isn't too hard, uh, before you actually go online. So what do you need? Well, first of all, you need um, your Social Security number. You need your birth date. And actually, everyone in the household should do this. And thinking in terms of if you do it online, it may take 10 to 15 minutes per person per um, credit bureau, okay? So you get your Social Security number, your birth date, Uh, where you've lived, your past addresses are very important uh, in this. Um, And if you've uh, done any recent borrowing, uh, you should know know, what you've borrowed and where. Uh, And also, uh, you should probably have your mortgage statement uh, in terms of who you're paying and how much and what your payoff is on your mortgage statement. So uh, all of those uh, that is all important information that you may or may not be asked uh, when you go online. Now, you can also do this over the telephone, but it's going to probably take you two to three times longer over the telephone than it would if you can go online. So, obviously, I would recommend that you do it online if you can. And you actually should do it on your own computer at home. You shouldn't do it on your work computer. Uh, and you should be at home when you do it. I mean, because that is uh, important. As a, In other words, you're not going to do it on a public computer is what I'm saying. You're going to do it on your private computer at home uh, on your own uh, line. So that's really important. And, of course, having that uh, file where you keep all of the information uh, is really important uh, because you've, you've got to write down a bunch of information Uh, after you verify your identity with the information that I just uh, mentioned to you. Uh, Now, once your identity is verified with the credit bureau and and they're basically setting up the freeze for you or allowing you to set it up for yourself, some states, and I'm not sure about North Carolina, but some states allow the credit bureaus to charge a fee to do this. And if the state 
allows them to do it. This is when you pay. You have to recognize that credit bureaus are private companies. They're not. It's not a government thing, um, but they're they're private companies, and so they're. Uh, uh, some states allow the credit bureaus to charge a fee to freeze uh, credit, and if they do, this is when you pay them. Uh, it, it, obviously, it's a nominal amount, but okay, it's worth worth doing. Um, now. You'll get a personal identification number at each credit bureau, so you, obviously you got to write that down. Um, you you want to make sure that the account holder name is exactly as they have it in at each credit bureau, and it may not be exactly the same. Maybe your full name may have an initial, may have some other. Uh, they may do it differently, so you want to make sure that it's exact. Uh, and like a lot of things, there will be a username and a password, and you have to have all of that information. And so, if you ever want to unfreeze your account, you got to have that same information to be able to unfreeze uh, your account. And you have to have all of that information exactly as it appears at each credit bureau. So you have to have it three times. And then after you've done it for yourself then you help your spouse do it <laughs> or you help your parents do it who you know depending on the circumstances but this is one of the best ways for Americans to be able to uh, keep people from stealing money from them uh, and if they steal it on your credit account they're stealing it from you and um, then you've got – I mean, if somebody actually gets away with it, you, you have to repair your credit uh, at that credit uh, bureau, uh, and that may take months, and it's time-consuming. And I can tell you from personal experience, because it happened to me where somebody in New York got my – information and set up an account at Home Depot. And the only thing I can um, am blessed about that is the fact that they weren't overly greedy. You know, they charged about $2,500 worth of stuff at Home Depot and got away with it. And, you know, the sad part is that you, you can't get law enforcement interested in going after these crooks. They but uh, this, this is the kind of thing where you're pretty much on your own to protect yourself uh, and so this is one way to do it. And if you freeze your credit, then the only way somebody's going to scam you out of money is if you're duped by a telephone call or a, and they're getting pretty darn sophisticated at that too. Uh, and the, and truthfully, the best way to protect yourself from being duped is to go on. Um, uh, the the uh, North Carolina Attorney General, uh, the Department of Justice, uh, has a wonderful website uh, in their Consumer Protection Division, uh, and, and they have a publication that you can use to see what scams are being done in the past and right now. And so um, reading what scams are going on is extremely helpful. Knowledge is power. And, and this is uh, an area where you can get it. So freeze your credit and get informed. <laughs> Great advice. Now, you hear so much about identity theft and these data breaches going on, and uh, I, I think that advice is uh, as timely as ever. A quick break and back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. 
Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. If you want to find out more information about Bill, you can head over to WGALaw.com. That's WGALaw.com. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and we're having a fascinating show this morning. And, and Bill, you're going to get on to uh, another subject here. Man, you're, uh, you're all over the place, and it's good. I like it. Uh, and, and this is a, a perspective of cancer that I don't think most people think about. Well, there was a wonderful article, heartbreaking, uh, in the uh, most recent AARP uh, magazine about uh, uh, the fact that people who are diagnosed with cancer often go broke. And, of course, this is uh, the the one difference between cancer and long-term care issues uh, for a lot of seniors is the fact that cancer is going to be covered by your health insurance. So assuming that you have health insurance, uh, much of the cost will be covered. But what folks don't realize is with cancer, oftentimes um, the the, uh, co-pays and deductibles are extremely high. Uh, because it's the the treatment is extremely expensive and it's also debilitating, just like long term care. You know, people go broke from long term care as well. And so the question, the first question the magazine article asks is, if you're diagnosed with cancer, who should you go see first? Uh, should you go see a medical specialist or your money manager or elder law attorney? And the truth is, the article basically says you better get your finances in order first (laughs) or at the same time, because a lot of folks don't think about the fact that they can go broke. And the really sad part of the article, and I hate to say this, is that those folks who actually do go broke or close to broke typically will die um, um, much sooner than those who don't go broke. And it's sometimes it's because they can't afford to take their medicine or they can't do what the doctor actually asked them to do because they don't have the funds to do it. And, um, and so the, the bottom line is the, the, the sad news is the same thing's true for uh, the elderly and disabled because so many folks go broke. And that's why we stay so busy in our office. Uh, with, but elder law is about... How do we help people find the money to take care of themselves? And, you know, most of our focus is on long-term care issues, Alzheimer's, dementia, and other issues with aging. But it's also true for younger people who have cancer and other debilitating uh, and sad uh, diseases and maladies. It's, it's uh, unfortunate. But the bottom line is is that our healthcare system really is broken. I mean, unless you have lots of money. I mean, we have the best system in the world if you're very well-to-do, but a very lousy system if you're not. And that's the real sad, sad part about our healthcare system in America. Plus, it's just too darn expensive for all of us. It's just horrible. That that is sad, and uh, it's something that you have to deal with a lot. Um, you know, and uh, 
you know, who knows? Maybe that's something that hopefully can change. But again, uh, something that folks need to keep in mind because uh, I think everyone has at least someone in their family or uh, in, in their friend circle who has been touched or uh, dealt with cancer. So, uh, you know, the threat is there. Absolutely. The no question there. about it. And of course, our healthcare system is is based on acute illness, and so cancer is covered under your health insurance, assuming you've got it, health insurance, and a lot of folks are uncovered now. Uh, but long-term care issues have no, no insurance to help them at all, so it's an even worse situation for folks with long-term care. If you're dealing with a long-term care situation, I want to encourage you to set up an appointment with Bill, 919-256-7000. That's 919-256-7000 or online at WGALaw.com. A quick break and back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection today with attorney Bill Alexander. Just enough time to get a few plugs in. Want to remind you to catch Bill tomorrow morning on the CW22 with his TV show Money Secrets with Bill and Mike. You can do that at 8 a.m. tomorrow. You can also find uh, Bill's book by the same name, Money Secrets. Uh, You can find that on Amazon. Do a Google search for Money Secrets with Bill and Mike, and that'll pop up. And that's a a great tool for folks to use as we've talked a lot about uh, asset protection and saving some money. I'm sure there's plenty more tips in there for folks, Bill. Well, I appreciate that. And I would also put a reminder in, in another uh, week and a half, we'll be looking at uh, a free seminar on long-term care issues and how to pay for it. And uh, would remind folks of that too. That's right. Wednesday, July 11th, you can register online for free at WGALaw.com. That's WGALaw.com. And you can uh, also register by calling Bill in the office at 919-256-7000. And uh, again, setting an appointment up with him is a great way. If you heard our our previous discussion on Social Security survivor benefits and uh, long-term care situations, you want to set up an appointment with Bill. 919-256-7000. We're out of time. We hope you'll Join us next week for Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF.